Welcome to the Northeastern Next podcast, your channel for the latest alumni stories in Boston and beyond. In this show, we'll catch up with Northeastern alumni who are out there achieving what's next. From theater class to the C-suite, Ryan Drexler knows a thing or two about advancing a career. Now CEO and president of Muscle Farm, he shares his tips for success. Hi, Ryan. Welcome to the Northeastern Next podcast. Thank you very much for having me. So you are the CEO, president, and chairman of Muscle Farm and a Northeastern graduate class of 93. Can you tell me a little about your company, your products, and your business model, just to give our listeners a sense? Great. Yeah, we're, we're a sports nutrition. We're a leading sports nutrition company. We're sold throughout the world. We're in over 100 different countries. Uh, we're sold in Costco. We're sold in Amazon. Uh, we're sold through many different distribution channels to the United States. A lot of stuff online, but a lot of brick and mortar too. And we're sold international. Uh, we have a product in Costco called uh, Combat Protein. It's a tri-blend protein. It's got many different proteins for digestion, uh, mus muscle functionality. So Muscle Farm is well known out there to the sports enthusiasts or people who have been around quite a long time using protein products. Great. I... I think this is a very unique opportunity for our listeners to hear from a CEO of a large and publicly traded company. Did you always see yourself as an aspiring CEO? And can you walk us through some of your recent roles? Sure, definitely. Well, not at first. I, I think that I've kind of gotten into the position. I, I was part of a, a company called Country Life Vitamins. It wasn't a public company. It was a family-based business. And obviously, Northeastern University through the co-op program helped me very much learn the business through uh, my days at uh, studying and using the co-op. So early on, no, I, I, I really didn't. I, I started to get more fascinated through the co-op program and, you know, looking at the business and educating myself about business and, you know, how to grow business or how to surround yourself with smarter people. And I started reading a lot. I started reading, you know, like Forbes magazines, Harvard Business Journal, Inc. magazine. And once I got into the family business, I kind of knew what I wanted to do. I was, I was a salesman at that time. The day I graduated, I, you know, the next day I was on a plane and, and utilizing the stuff that I learned prior to understanding more about business. It, it wasn't like one day I was done with college, then I got into a business and I, I didn't know anything. I, I had a nice foundation. And as the years grew, I, I just, I found myself aspiring to look at different roles in the business and uh, solve problems. I, I really enjoyed uh, looking at things and making sure that they were running efficiently and, and really learning as I was going. So I had a really unique opportunity uh, being part of a family business and utilizing my education, but also utilizing my knowledge of the years that I was able to do the co-op program to go in there. And as I started, uh, you know, I was a salesperson and then 
I was a regional sales manager, and then I came in, and I learned every part of the business, by the way, and it really helped me. When I learned every part of the business, if it was um, supply chain, operations, sales, manufacturing, it helped me get better perspective of what to do in a business. And that's how, at the time, did not know, but I was grooming myself to have that ability to, to run a business because you have to know each part of the business. Yeah, I think that's really relatable for a lot of people, including myself, where a lot of it is learning on the job. So when you're, you know, 18, starting your undergraduate career, you might think you want to be in business at some point, but it doesn't really show itself when you start practicing and you realize what you're good at. So if you're dabbling in all those aspects, suddenly you might see yourself in a leadership role that oversees those, but you kind of have to put in the work from the beginning. So I'd love to rewind a bit to your Northeastern experience. You graduated with a degree in theater, which is very different from where you are today. So I just love to hear about your student experience and kind of where that all started. Yeah. So really the education part, and again, looked at different areas of criminal justice and business, but one of the things that theater helped me out with is I was I was a very shy person growing up, and I, I really wasn't able to talk in front of people. I couldn't communicate. One of the things that I found out very quickly is, you know, when you're in class and, 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 and some other uh, parts of university, you know, you can kind of hide with the, the masses of the people in your class. But one thing that theater taught me is that I had a I had to have that ability of, you know, to get rid of my fear. I had the ability I had the ability to get up and start speaking in front of people. And in the beginning, it was just it was horrific. Uh, you know, really stumbling over my words. I was very very nervous. You know, even if there was one person in class, I felt like all eyes were on me, and I didn't really have the opportunity to you know feel comfortable and and. I got out of my comfort zone. And as, you know, I grew uh, in the theater department, I had the real ability to communicate better. I didn't have that fear to, you know, when I got up in front of people, I could speak. I could, you know, articulate the things that I was thinking about or saying. And that really kind of helped mold, molded me to who I am today that, uh, you know, I enjoy, I enjoy speaking in front of people. I don't mind speaking in front of 100, 200 people. And I enjoy because I kind of look at it as, hey, you know, we're here. It's just like, you know, they, I'm communicating with them. They're communicating with me. And if I could teach people some stuff that I've learned throughout the way and saying, hey, it doesn't happen overnight. You don't, you don't become president or CEO or C-suite employee uh, very easily. You know, you, you, it takes years to do that. It takes years to do that. And again, you can't, you can't judge yourself. Because no one's really judging you, so you can't judge yourself. So be consistent, you know, educate yourself. And again, theater helped me really come out of my shell and, and helping me build that, that really strong foundation of communication. I love that. I think a lot of the soft skills and communication and leadership are so important to business management and leadership. And yeah. not all students have the opportunity to kind of practice that. And I think that's such a unique pathway. I remember, so I got my MBA from Northeastern a few years ago. And I remember, I know everyone probably experiences some aspect of imposter syndrome or fear of not being good enough. And I think anyone can relate to that. And I remember 
being kind of nervous to all those classes you have to speak up you have to present you have to share your thoughts you might get a cold call from a professor and have to say something and it really even in like a business class I had to practice okay it's okay if it's not right and it's okay if it's not perfect just practice you have to get out of your own way because no one is judging you it's just yourself judging you no they're not and 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 no one uh is gonna think about that class after they leave you're the only one gonna say hey you know I I kind of didn't articulate myself well and you know no one's gonna articulate themselves perfectly but again if you can kind of convey your message I think that's the most important thing. And just being up there and saying, hey, I'm I'm no different than anybody in the class. I just put a lot of years of consistency. I, I I looked at, you know, where my weaknesses were and, you know, surrounded myself with smarter people to help, you know, bring me up to another level. And and again, you know, you're as I say, you're only as strong as your weakest link. And it's important to surround yourself with really smart people. It sounds like a great foundation for confidence building because if you're standing there in front of a group of people and having to express yourself in theater or something like that, it's just practice. It just it repetition, and then suddenly it's not so scary when you're leading a whole company. At least I could assume because I do not have that role. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, it takes a lot of years of consistency. It doesn't happen overnight, and uh, I'm constantly. I'm just trying to be the best version of myself. I'm constantly learning every day. And I think I kind of gripped that mantra about five years ago. You know, I think people build a business and they're successful ones and they think that translates again. It it doesn't. Mm -hmm. It usually doesn't. You know, it's actually pretty common, at least on this podcast, to hear that people diverge quite a bit from what they studied. Did you have, after you graduated, did you have a moment or experience that pointed you in the new direction or something that sparked this shift in your career towards business? I know you talked a little bit about the family business you were also involved in. Yeah, I think I always wanted to towards the end of my education. I really felt that once I was doing a co-op program and I had the ability to work in the family business is that I saw a lot of things that needed to improve. And I think entrepreneurs kind of got kind of get stuck in their way where, you know, they do things a certain way and, and bring the business to the next level is very frightening to people because again, when you're an entrepreneur, you think you know everything and you built this business one way, but at the end of the day, you know, I've actually learned this with muscle form that I've learned a whole new set of skills that I did not have in country life. And again, just being the best version of yourself and, being involved in a business, it felt it felt natural to me. When I got out, I started to be on the road and travel in every part of the business. It felt more and more natural as the years went on. So how long have you been the CEO at Muscle Farm? And what was it like to take over that position? Talk about any like immediate challenges you faced in that top, top dog spot. Yeah, sure. So I've been, I believe, uh, over five years now. And you know, it's it's really tough. Again, I didn't build the business. I restructured the business. And I think the tough thing is the set of skills I've learned is you just don't know what you don't know until you really start digging in and, and looking at a business. And you, you might think that, oh, it's short term, I can I can I can do this or I can turn this around. And what I learned pretty quickly is you know, there was a lot of things that I had to look at to improve the business and, and it didn't happen overnight. I mean we're here after five years and uh, we just we just put out earnings and uh, we're profitable. And it took many years to do that. It, you know, some people, again, 
people don't know what you're going through until you're in the business. I know there's a lot of outsiders of people, especially being part of a public company that might say you should have done that. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, nutritional supplements is not the easiest business. People thought before, you know, Muscle Farm had a lot of glamour before, you know, we had Tiger Woods, Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, we had uh, a lot of different hosts of athletes and there was a lot of sizzle based around the company. But again, taking those basic business practices, looking at, you know, how to survive and grow the business kind of to the next level. When I say next level of making sure that so I rebuilt the foundation, it took me a really, really, really long time. But again, I, I don't really give up this five years because I, I've learned a tremendous, tremendous amount. And I, people always say to me, oh, you wish you didn't get into this. I've learned a tremendous amount. I, I really have. It's just made me a smarter person where I thought when I got here, I'm like, oh, this is going to be super easy. And it just, it just wasn't at all. So how did you acquire some of these skills? You talk a lot about like learning on the job. Did you have any mentors along the way or other resources that you turned to? I have a successful bunch of uh, people that I know, and I try to learn a lot from them, or I try to learn from different people who have different really good skill sets. But sometimes, you know, you might hear advice, and at, at the end of the day, you might not take it and go, oh, I'm not ready for that advice, but you find out pretty quickly you are. So a lot of the stuff I learned is on the job and, and educating myself, but a lot of the, the people, I've, you know, I have a lot of people who are very, very successful in different businesses. And I know it's important now to take good advice or at least consider that advice and educate yourself more. So it's definitely helped me. It's definitely helped me. But I think the best experience that anyone can do is being in the job itself and kind of learning all the areas. And it, it does take it does take a lot of time and a lot of hard work. So topic of the day, when the pandemic hit back in the spring, how was your company impacted and how did you as a leader go forward? So it's interesting because, you know, we were very lucky to be an essential business. We were very lucky, but what it gave me an opportunity was to get back into the business and learn some of the finer details. It gave us time. I think it gave everyone time. It slowed all of us down tremendously. So it gave me the opportunity to go back and basically really go in the business and, and really look at the areas that I needed to improve. You know, I dug in operations and uh, I got out of my comfort zone and I think everyone did now and, and everyone, you know, you learn to streamline a business. Unfortunately, in this time, everyone learned the hard way to streamline a business. One of the things we, it was one of the things that we did and being still, you know, having the orders and being an essential business, it gave me kind of a new task to really work on. You know, I worked on operations, cost of goods. and it was a great learning experience because I don't think if it wasn't this specific time, you know, you always have to turn a negative into a positive. Mm -hmm. So if you look at the negative and like, oh, well, you know, we're not doing as well and, you know, our business. So I'm like, well, what can I focus on? You know, maybe if the top line's not doing as well as it should, maybe I focus, you know, more on profit. Maybe, you know, there's a light at the end of this tunnel. So we've definitely learned a lot. And, one of the great things too is I'm very kind of, I'm a very competitive person with myself and, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't stay idle for too long. So one of the great things that I did is I jumped right into the business. I let all our accounts know that we're still doing, you know, we're still doing well, positive. It was very positive. Hey, we're here to help you. What do you want to do? And one of the things we learned pretty quickly is me getting involved is if we were, 
say three or four in some of these accounts, we either became two or one because they appreciated us continuing to do business, uh, being having communication. So it really it, it helped us and myself because I learned a whole different skill set I never would have known if the pandemic didn't hit. Yeah, I never thought of it that way, where even if you are relatively business as usual, in your case, we all have slowed down a little bit. Even if you're carrying on, you think through things differently. Some people had to pivot quite drastically. Some people just, you know, think a little bit bigger than themselves and what's going on in the world. And it might give you that perspective to tweak something or focus in on communication and really connecting with your your clients and customers. And I think that's a great, great perspective. Yes, absolutely. It helps out tremendously. So how would you describe your leadership style and what motivates you as a CEO and leader? You know, what motivates me is about surrounding myself with smarter people. It's one thing I've learned, especially in the last five years, I'm getting better to do that. Because sometimes you get caught in the details, especially during this pandemic. And, and, you know, you sometimes feel that maybe I'm not doing the things that are right now that I'm best suited to do. So what motivates me is being around like-minded people. And I'm not a nine to five type of person. I don't think Muscle Farm is a nine to five type of company. You know, we say, hey, you know, we would like everyone available seven days a week. It's not that we work seven days a week, but having that mentality, you know, I never, I never liked even at the country life days, nine to five. It's almost, oh, I have to be here nine. I, I have to be at nine and then I have to leave at five. When sometimes necessarily... Those aren't really the hours. I mean, hours kind of change and shift. What motivates me is is th- that I want to be around. I want to be around people that are kind of like minded, like myself, and want to want to grow. And they feel passionate of what they do. I, I was reading a, a great article about the uh, CEO of Zappos who just recently passed, and it was really interesting. And it kind of resonated in me where where he said that he trains people. Within six weeks, he'll give them a bonus to leave because he wants passionate people part of the business. And that kind of resonated with me. I'm like, wow, that's a that's a really phenomenal idea. At the end of their training, or you know, he'll 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 say to anyone, hey, listen, if this is not for you and you don't feel great about this, I'll give you a bonus, two thousand dollars, so you can go out and find another job and do that. And I, and, and it resonated with me. And I, I I I really like that because one of the things that I think lacks in every business is passion. And we're all working from home now and Zoom and some people work great. Some people don't, mm-hmm. you know, but I've learned for myself is that I have a lot more hours in the days to be with my family or doing things. I mean, you know, commuting every day or being in the office uh, down on some idle time. It's not the most efficient thing for me. And I, and I kind of try to project to everyone in the company or people that I want to try to employ is, hey, let's be passionate uh, together. Feel like you're an owner. Feel like that one day you want to aspire to be a president or CEO or a COO or some other type of executive position at a company and just be honest with yourself and, and, and communicate. And that's the most important thing to me is the communication. And that's one thing that I, I keep learning every day. That's so interesting. I can't remember where I read this, but it it was a startup CEO that talked a lot about the nine to five and how arbitrary it is. Like who decided that it's this five day work week, nine to five, when I think he was doing like a four day work week or something that's longer. But I just, it, that made me think of it because 
if you have this work schedule that's like out of obligation, no one is 100% productive in all hours of the day. There are a lot of things that go on and and some people work better at different times and certain projects and, you know, you're a morning person, so you're going to put your energy there. And it's, it's interesting because, it, yeah, it does flip flip it into, you know, wanting to spend your time to do the work. And when you feel that, you know, inspiration and passion, not just out of, oh, I'm clocking in and this is the time to work when maybe that's not when you're kind of ready to, if that makes sense. And one of the things I learned about, you know, educating myself more and more is, you know, the, these are just titles in a company, CEO, your president, executive chairman, COO, what have you. You know, you have to be involved. You have to be active. You know, you have to have very smart people, but you have to be active. I'm, I'm, I'm really impressed. I'm, I'm on a lot of calls in the beginning. I just like to educate and meet people and hear, you know, when they're partners or customer. I think one of the things we, we, we kind of lost from the top positions in the companies now is that customer service. Mm-hmm. When I say customer service is having an interactive executive on the phone. It, it makes me excited because I know they're passionate about their business. And those are the people I want to partner. Sometimes you know, there's a lot of people I deal with and getting an executive on the phone, even though that I'm on the phone is kind of few and far between. Mm-hmm. And that says something about their business, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's the biggest thing I see right now is that some of the executives, Hey, I, I don't need to get on that call. I, not that you have to be on every call, mm-hmm. but to introduce yourself, you know, have that kind of dialogue and then, you know, if we speak every couple of months, it's nice. Mm-hmm. But I think that's very, very important. I think that's something that's missing in business today. Mm-hmm. That's great. What is a piece of advice you would give someone who has their eye on the C-suite on how, how they might get there? I would say that the most important thing is, and, and, this is, and this is one thing that I see constantly in every business, people who are C-suite employees they don't want to build a strong team. And I don't know if that's fear of someone coming in that's, you know, say, you know, you're a COO and then you hire a VP of operations, a strong VP of operations. And you feel every day this person is stronger than you. And you have that fear that this person's going to take your job over. That is probably some, the worst thing that you can do. I think people who early on, and again, be the best version if you're a salesperson or, you know, what have you in a business or your supply chain person, be very, very smart, uh, educate yourself. And then as you go up the corporate ladder, you know, hiring is the most important thing. I, I see this in my business and a lot of other businesses. Sometimes people have a fear of surrounding themselves with very smart people. And if people have an eye on those positions, to me, I'm very happy when they surround them. That, that shows me they're good leaders. And really learn to delegate. Delegation is very, very important. I think that is a skill set that takes a long time to do and trust upon people that you can delegate to that can get the job done efficiently the way that you would. And if they don't, then these are the talks uh, that you have to have with people, unfortunately. So, you know, when I look at when I look at someone as a VP title, of course, they've worked their years to get to that title. But. I look at the people they surround themselves with and the team that they have. And that's very, very important. It's things I keep learning as I go forward with business. So those are two good skill sets, delegation and and surround yourself with really smart people. 
Yeah, that's great. I think it's practicing those leadership skills at what level you're at. So if you are at that VP level, yeah, what team are you leading and how is that going to translate to the next level up? So you've recently given a few talks to current Northeastern students and yeah. my colleague had recommended you for this podcast after that. So what was that experience like and kind of talking to students and giving back to Northeastern in that way? I really enjoy it. <clears throat> I feel that you know, Northeastern has given so much to me. I mean, it's built my foundation. Um, it's gave me confidence to be the person I am today. So giving back and, and helping people and telling people, you know, where I started from is not where most people think that someone would start from. And being able to talk to people and have them understand that, hey, I'm a hard worker. Uh, it's consistency. It's educating yourself. And again, I said, just be the best version of yourself and just keep building and don't take the answer no. It was great. I, I really enjoyed it. I, I want to do as much as I can for Northeastern. They have done so much for me. I think this is just a small thing I could do, but I want to do as much as I can to help people answer questions and educate people. I want people to feel that they don't have to be nervous We've all went through that. Well, they don't have to have that fear. We live in a fear-based kind of society. And, you know, you just got to be consistent and, you know, put the time in. But I have to tell you, it was really, as, I, as I've gotten older, the giving back on that part is really important to me. So I, I really enjoyed it, to be honest. That's great. And I know I'm sure the students really appreciate that. It's, it's nice to hear from someone who, you know, might be in the job that they're trying to get to and, and that no one's path is the same and that kind of relate to people just saying, hey, like, you know, if he, if he can do it, I can I can do it too. So this is the Northeastern Next podcast. So I always ask, what's next for you? Anything that, you know, coming down the pike? We're just building our business. Like I said, just released earnings. Uh, we're profitable. And just continue, you know, just continue what I'm doing. I'm really, you know, finally kind of really enjoying it now. It was a lot of years of, you know, we don't, I don't know what the future is going to be, but to really, you know, build business. And I, I really like it. I like it. But I think what's next for me too is, again, I'll always be a business person. I want to give back a lot, you know, doing this podcast or, you know, doing that class uh, Zoom. I, I want to do a lot more of that. I think. A lot of my time is to educate people and help people out and tell people that, hey, listen, this is where I came from. I didn't have an easy you know, upbringing. It, it, it wasn't, you know, I had to overcome a lot of different things uh, in school, uh, personal stuff. And, and, you know, as you educate yourself and at in consistency and, you know, you'll eventually find something you like to do and stick with it. If you feel passionate about it. Don't ever give up. I know people, you know, give up on people a lot of times, but within yourself, don't give up and keep going and just build that, you know, that mental muscle. It's important to build that mental muscle and build that strength. As you ask the question, I want to do a lot more giving back and, and I'm very happy to be part, you know, of the Northeastern family again and being able to do the podcast or do the classroom. And I just want to do a lot more. Well, thank you so much. And we're, we're so grateful for your time today and, and your wisdom and this space. And um, I look forward to seeing and hearing more from you. Yeah, thank you very much. You have a great day. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. 
If you enjoyed the episode, please rate and leave a review. We will be back in the new year with new stories. For a chance to be featured, submit your story on our website at alumni.northeastern.edu submit. Have a safe holiday season and I'll talk to you soon.